whoever's listening, this is not a podcast, don't worry, but it is an audio episode, which sounds like a podcast, but this is just a different way of doing the stories. I don't think it'll be every week, I don't think it'll even be every month. It's just, sometimes when I do an interview, I think it's better just to hear from the person themselves. For those of you who don't know, I run a website called Not What You Thought, and it's all about the different side of relationships. The more I've done them, some of the interviews I've actually wanted to do in an audio format rather than writing. This story is all about polyamory, but not in the way that I've covered before, which you can also read on the website. This is more about what happens when you fall in love with someone that's polyamorous and you're not, and how on earth does that work anymore? To be truthful, 10 minutes are talking about polyamory, and then the rest is just about this fascinating woman's life. Some highlights include... A man in a van travelling up and down the country and a dead dog, but it is not how it sounds. If you're not interested by now, then I don't know what will. It's 30 minutes, wash the dishes, go for a walk. Just please listen to this, enjoy it and let me know what you think. So my name's Nikki Bailey. I'm 51 and I'm in my last year studying to be a prop maker at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. I've done my life sort of the other way around because um, I brought my son up on my own and he's 21 now and has his own career and life. So that's why I'm doing it now. There's no way I could have done it before that. And that's fine because we're different people when we're older. When we're younger, it's quite difficult to figure out what you want to do. I always knew I wanted to do something creative, but finding that what that was exactly is actually not that easy, especially when it's in the creative industries. I've dabbled with being an artist. I've done murals. I've had my own antique shop. I've I made clocks for a living, I've renovated furniture, anything I could do creatively. So now it's this is slightly more focused. Um, I don't know where it's going to take me, But that's all part of my philosophy is just believe that things all work out as they're meant to. That's how I live my life. I've lived my life, my whole life like that, actually. I always believe things all work out as they should. So that's me. What's the most interesting prop or piece of furniture or antique that you've came across? All the props are really interesting because we've got to create something that that doesn't exist. That's why we have to make it. So I made a... A dead dog, I'd say that in inverted commas because it's not real. <laughs> that was fun. That was amazing. When I gave it to the actors, they're all going, oh my God, I'm screaming and everything. Because it, it feels like a dog. It's the same way and it kind of slumps over and everything. So that was fun. He was called Snowflake. He is currently in my shed. The antique world is great because you, you find all these amazing things. One time I bought these old ancient old signs from you know Scottish shop. I bought them for like, tenor and I sold them for about 150 quid so that's quite exciting there's that side of it which is exciting but yeah just everything everything's fun and exciting there's every day something new you've got to make at the moment we've just we've just made some wigs out of paper for a show which is is going to be going videoed actually so that that was quite interesting that was a challenge too because they've got to be robust and usable and fit the heads and with all this covid stuff We can't be with people, though. There's all that challenge as well just now. Are you still being able to make props with all this COVID stuff? Well, the way it works anyway with prop making is the designer designs everything and you're shown pictures and then you've got to discuss 
what this thing is, what its function is, its size, what its material is, its colour, all this kind of stuff. So that's great with all this Zoom meetings and things. We can do all that online and then we can check the progress as we go along. We can still do it because where I study, the rooms are really big and we've got three huge rooms. So we are able to socially distance. So it's not been that different. What's been different is like costume department because the, the, doing the fittings is, is really hard. And with the wigs, that was a challenge for us as well. And we had to make masks too. But apart from that, it's, it's been fine. It's not ideal. As, as a prop maker, you know, we always say you're a problem solver. So we've, we've got that in us anyway. So there's always a way around things. Always. Your prop making's not really changed that much in lockdown, but I'm going to move on to your love life now. How's that been during lockdown? It's been really strange, actually. I did get involved with a, a, a friend of mine I've known since we were 10, and that ended up being an absolute disaster. It was awful. <laughs> He's always wanted to be with me, but it just, it was, oh, I don't advise it. Not a good idea. So that, that was a nightmare, but it, it taught me a lot. But I met this wonderful person I'm seeing at the moment called Alan. I went on to Plenty of Fish, a dating site. I was trying to avoid that. I've been doing it on and off for years. But I thought, oh, I'll just have a, I'll have a look. It was my friend up the road. I'd, I'd met somebody on it. In fact, she met them on Tinder. I didn't like Tinder. <laughs> so I met him there. And that was three months ago, nearly. We do have an extraordinary relationship. It's very complicated, though. So you asked me, how has it been? Confusing, complicated and wonderful. Yeah, there's a lot to this. <laughs> it's not as clean cut as normal ones. That's totally fine. That's what we like. So what's the most confusing aspect about it so far? Right. The thing is, so we met and we just had four fantastic hours together and then we spent a whole day. We did a pub crawl. That was a week or so later. That was fine. And then on the third, the third time he met me, he explained to me that he's polyamorous. Uh, I had never heard about what that was, and it took me aback. And it, it's, when you hear about something like that, it makes you really think, is this something I want to explore? Is this something I want to accept? And at the beginning, I, I, I knew I really liked him. We really liked each other. I didn't love him. You know, That's a different thing when you start to love somebody. So I thought, right, I'll give this a shot. And my friends are like, this is great, but I don't think you're polyamorous. Now, there's another part to this story. I spoke to Alan about this, and he knows that I'm speaking to you. What, what attracted to me in the first place to him, uh, once I was speaking to him, first of all, he had the blue beard. He's quite an eccentric character. I am attracted to eccentric, unusual people. I always have been, and I always will be. I like quirkiness and strong characters and people who know who they are, all that kind of stuff. Alan does not mind me telling you this, but it's a very important part of this story. Alan's widowed. He was married for 30 years, and they were together since they were 22. So he was very young when he got married. So he joined the army when he left school, and, and then he got married. So there is an element of this where he feels like he didn't do the thing that we all did when we were younger, where we date all these different people. Plus, he, his heart is very broken. He's very, very sad and feels broken. That's a long, long, that's more than half of his life. He's, he's going to be 55 next week. So indeed that is. This happened two years ago. 
he has two sons. One of them's got a son and lives with his partner. That, and then he's got this other son who seems to be this wonderful, fantastic, free-spirited guy who goes around the world doing all sorts of stuff, meeting people. He's just, he's just quite extraordinary. So they're quite alike. And after a year after she died, the two of them had a chat and they said, right, what are we going to do next? So they sold the house, they bought a boat and a van. And Aidan's son, usually, not always, because I'm not sure where he is at the moment, possibly Spain or somewhere, um, sort of lives in this boat down south. And Alan lives in the van. So he's Scottish, but he has lived in England all this time since he was about 16-ish. So he is driving about the UK in the van. At the beginning, it was just a blow-up bed and pretty much nothing else. But since I've met him, he's managed to get a bed fitted in there. He's got a cooker, he's got drawers. It looks amazing. He might be getting a puppy soon. One of my neighbour's dogs is, is pregnant. So a, little, um, a little scrappy wee thing, which would be great. Because so, it is lonely, and he's trying to figure himself out. He's a bit lost. And, I mean, you can imagine he would be. Yeah, especially after that. Have you been inside the van? Have you seen it? Or has it just been pictures? No, I've been. I mean, we've, we've spent quite a lot of time together in the last three months. We've done all sorts. Of, we've been to the Lake District together. We've, we've been on little nights out here and there. He stays here quite a lot. So we do see each other a lot. It looks brilliant in the van. Slightly concerned about him with winter coming. He might get a wee cottage somewhere for a bit. But he needs to figure that stuff out on his own. <laughs> this is where the polyamorous side has kicked in for him. He described it to me as his heart was whole once and he gave it to one woman and now it's in little pieces and he's going to give little bits here and there. It's confusing for me. It was not confusing, it's just I'm trying to take one day at a time. Yeah, it's a lot to take in when it's happening to you. Simple enough to understand, but then when someone comes up to you and goes, by the way, this this is what I'm doing. It's a bit like, oh, I need to take a step back and see if that works for me. It is. And, you know, I said to him a few weeks ago, I said, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot of people who don't know you that well to, to try this thing. And a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, he told me that he's fallen in love with me. Oh, it's it's lovely. And um, I must admit, it did take me a week because I, I got a bit, I was a bit surprised. That's why I get confused sometimes. So I said, but when next time I saw him, I, I told him that I love him. I I, I got really scared though because it's a scary thing because you know it's it's confusing with the whole polyamorous thing. And then when he left after that, I I, I said I need I need to speak to you because when you start to love somebody, that changes things completely. It's fine if you're just getting to know each other and oh, I don't mind about this, I don't mind about that. As soon as you start loving someone, that's that's a totally different level, completely. So he was very gracious. He's very open. He's very kind. He's very honest. Although this isn't for me at the moment, though I'm still getting confused, the honesty is a massive part of this type of relationship, the openness. So I just said, I need to speak to you. And I'd only seen him the week before. So obviously he knew something was up because I, I just usually leave him to, we just figure out when we're going to see it. It's usually about every three weeks or so we see each other. So he drove all the way from the north of Scotland pretty much to come back down to see me. 
and we spoke about it and I said to him, I can't be with you if you're going to sleep with someone else. I can accept you having coffee with people and chatting with people. I think it's lovely because he's really very wonderful company. He's very funny. He's very charming and I absolutely adore him. But I love myself more. We all have this kind of line that we're not going to cross. It hasn't been crossed and, you know, it, I just... I just couldn't do it. I just, I just can't do it. But we've not got to that stage yet because it's just us just now on this level anyway. So does he have the intention of fully finding someone else to fall in love with while you guys are also seeing each other? Is that what his plans are? Or is he just kind of wanting to not close himself off to possibilities? Or is he looking to find more people? I think he's still on the dating site, but I don't know how actively he's actually doing that. I, I don't like talking to him about that because, you know, I don't, I don't like the thought of it. It, it hurts me. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I haven't asked him too much. I think he's still a bit confused about what he wants. And we have been spending a lot of time together, to be honest. I, I think if he was here, he would say yes. So I'll say yes. But um, as soon as he crosses that line of mine, then our relationship's going to change. How long do you think it'll take for him to reach that line? Or do you think he won't? Do you think he might have a change of heart? So I, I don't know. I mean, he knows that I, I don't want... I mean, I, I'm happy with him. I We love each other. This is this is the, the confusing... You know, it's, we carry all this stuff. It's in our hearts. And, you know, so it's easy to freak out suddenly because, you, you know, you get involved in things and you, you, you start loving people and... These things happen. And I understand that as a single parent because guilt, you feel guilty about, I feel guilty that Morgan hasn't had his dad here all the time. I feel guilty that I haven't got enough money maybe or that we can't go on all these holidays. It's guilt, 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 guilt. And when your partner dies like that, I mean, obviously I haven't experienced it, but the guilt that you you weren't a good enough partner or that you didn't do enough or or that, you didn't love them enough or, you know, all this stuff. There's nothing much you can do apart from just just support them through that because they've got to figure that all that stuff out on their own. Part. So I, I, just, I just don't know. I don't know. But when, when he left after we had that chat, he was here for a couple of days. I actually felt really relieved. I felt like it was a big weight off my shoulders because we just got on so well. We're very, very similar. And... In a couple of years, I'm going to be moving to France and I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I mean, I'm as wondery as, as he is. So, just not with people? No, not on the surface. I don't want, I don't want any of that. I, I, I'm really not, I don't want to know any other people. I don't want to be involved with any other people. I don't want to speak to any other people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am happy though this now but this thing might happen and when it does it's gonna it's gonna change us but we were gonna be platonic and then that just went it never, <laughs> it never happened so um, but it's good it's fine it's, it's fine because it is not been seeing anyone else uh, in that way is it fine now you know it's good you're happy but if he does do what he says he's gonna do then that's kind of where it's gonna get a bit messy i'm not gonna back down and I'm going to have to put on my big girl pants and just accept that that's the way it is, if that's what he wants. It's just going to change our relationship, though. Do you think it's because he's scared to lose someone again? 
I would say it's 99.9% that reason. And we have discussed this. The trauma of, oh my God, I can't even imagine, you won't mind me saying this, but she got ill and they had no time to try and help her because it took 10 weeks. That's nothing. There's no time to, to think about things. There's, there's, it's, it's nothing. 10 weeks is nothing. That must have been incredibly traumatic. And for his boys as well. And then family and her sister. And it's just it's just hugely awful after all that kind of time. So he's absolutely petrified that he's going to get... He told me he wants to die alone. He doesn't want me to see him or him to watch me. You know, that's that's how he feels at the moment. I'm I don't have that attitude, but I haven't been through what he's been through. I've been through different traumas. I've had quite a lot of relationships. So our experience in life is completely different because he's had this thirty year one and I've had quite a few. So we're coming at this at totally different angles. I know what I'm like and I believe that we could be happy together. I've told him that. I've told him that we could be happy in France, but you know, that's up to him. I'm certainly not going to force anything on him or maybe even ever mention that again. I believe in honesty and openness, so that's that's why I did mention it to him. Do you think he's just stuck in the past a little bit because it was his whole life for quite a long time? Yeah, probably. I think that I've, oh, I've just seen his scarf over there. Wow, he's left his scarf. Oh, well. <laughs> that's so weird. I haven't noticed it till now. He uses that scarf all the time. That's his COVID scarf. It's a shame he's not here because I'm sure he would be happy to speak to yeah. you as well. I actually spoke to him this morning about it and I said, is there anything you don't want me to mention? Or And he's like, tell her everything. Oh, that's so honest. I know, but he is, you see. I don't want to put words in his head or, or things. But yeah, he is, he is lost and maybe he is living in the past. But I don't know. He, does, he doesn't have any sort of anywhere to go just now. Um, he, hasn't, he hasn't got a goal at the moment. So I think what he'll probably end up doing is, is creating a business or doing a job or something like that that will give him a bit more focus. But he's not, he's not at that stage yet. I think he wants to try and do this for a year. That's nine months he's been in the van now. So, yeah, just another three then. Yeah, he's got his own challenges. He doesn't have a loo. He doesn't have a shower. You know, it's it's. Oh. if you think of all the stuff we just take for granted, his electrics haven't been working for a month in the actual bit. So, you know, it's, it's difficult. How does it, this might be a stupid question, but how does he, like, go about showering? Do you go to, is there, like, local places? That you, like, is it just gyms or do you... Well, you can, he is thinking of joining a gym because there's ones that go all around the UK. Yeah. Um, he's in Scotland at the moment, by the way. He only left me yesterday. There are usually places you can get showers, but with this COVID thing, every time he goes there, it's closed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So he literally started this when COVID started. <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> Isn't that horrendous? Yeah, it's been this extra challenge. He does have this thing that he created, which is like a, sort of showery thingy buckety thing so he does manage to get washed every day and there are many woods in scotland so he's had his own techniques for doing things so he's fine but it doesn't be just switching on a shower and as i say we take it for granted but he can obviously can do all that stuff here what's what's happening in france why are you going to france in a couple of years well i've always wanted to live in france i, I did i did work um, as an au pair when i was 20 for a year in a chateau 
three kids and 54 animals that I looked after. The animals were an optional extra. <laughs> but the, the kids are still very close to me. The eldest one is very precious. She's, she's only a few years younger than me. Her daughter is one of my six godchildren. It's wonderful. I don't see her very often, especially at the moment. But I was very happy there and I love the French culture. And I've, I've just been waiting to, to, to go back. So I want to use France as a base and as a prop maker. And I'm getting into mentoring as well. So as a prop maker and a mentor, I want to use that as a base and, and travel around the world a bit and just work work wherever. Yeah, I think that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. And pretty much buy the house with the money I've made on this one, hopefully. So I'll have little or no mortgage. Yeah, no, that would be great. Have you seen um, Emily in Paris? I watched it. I saw it. <laughs> what did you think? I was a bit reluctant to watch it at first. Oh, crikey, what's this going to be like? Because it's Americanized as well. But it was actually quite hilarious. I couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> it was because French people are, I mean, you can't say they're all the same. Of course not. Scottish people aren't all the same. But there were a few stereotypicals which, which made me laugh. It was good. It was really, really good. It's fun. Fun, silly program. Would you mind talking about some of your previous relationships? Because you seem quite free-spirited, go-with-the-flow type person. I just want to know how you ended up getting here or if you've always been like that. I have always been like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, I was talking to my mum this morning about it and she's like that. Of course you're going to date a guy who lives in a van. He's <laughs> got usually has a blue beard i crave originality and and quirkiness my first proper relationship was when i was 18 two and a half years and i dated this guy who was a, a business guy shirt and tie and all that and he tried to control me he tried to change me i even went for a job interview that he, he sent me to and i went to job interview and he said what you know what, what is it you want to do and i was like i want to be an ear hostess <laughs> Okay, needless to say, I didn't get the job. Really? Yeah, funny that. <laughs> I actually couldn't be an air hostess because I was too short. So, the, I mean, he put me off. Yeah, after that, oh, crikey, well, I, I, I met Morgan's, um, Morgan, sorry, Morgan's my son. I was about to say, I was like, who's yeah. Morgan? Who's Morgan? He's my son, who's very wonderful. Six foot five, by the way. Didn't um, take the height off you then? No, not even in the slightest. <laughs> He's my absolute rock, and I'm very proud of him all the time. He's he's gotten a he's an apprentice a forklift truck engineer, so he's doing really well. He still lives with me just now. What I'm saying about going to France in two years is, is that's probably when he'll be ready to get his own place once he's finished his, his apprenticeship. So that's where the two years comes from. I met his dad and my friend at the time. She said the worst thing. She said, "Don't even talk to him." Oh. <laughs> And what did you do? <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> Why should I not talk to him? Oh, she should have known better. So that is that, as they say. And I think I was married for, I don't even know how long, a year and a half or something. And then, I mean, he was having affairs and he was terrible. He's, just, he's still bad like that. It's, it's just the way he is. I, when Morgan was seven months old, I basically, I wrote him a letter. I got a lawyer's letter all his stuff in the bag and I left and I was it was a navy house and they chopped me out and they it's extraordinary because I, I had a baby this I was still the wife of a naval officer and they threw me out and I had nowhere to go because mum was in America and my dad's you know he's got his own other life oh crikey so I ended up staying with my granny in her flat 
for a couple of months, which we weren't allowed to do, but we did it anyway. From then on, I, I didn't really. When when you're when you're in that situation, it's it's really really difficult. It's very very scary. I didn't have any money. I had nothing. And slowly slowly, I, I moved up to Persia, where I, I ended up living in above my dad's office, <laughs> which is not that easy. With it was it was fine, but I was so determined to to not stay there forever that I got a job and I, I managed to get a little house in, in the street that I'm living in, in, in the middle of Persia here. And I got it for very little money. So I renovated that, sold that 10 years ago and bought this for a good price and I renovated this. So, you know, I've got good equity in the house. So when you're a, a single mummy and when there's there's no parents around to help you, you, you can't go out and meet people. So I've been using dating sites for about 15 years and I've met some amazing people. I was really, truly wonderful. I had a two and a half year, year relationship with a wonderful guy who lived, lives in the Lake District. That wasn't easy because he lives in the Lake District. <laughs> but he was he's a very quirky, unusual guy. Well, February, I came out of a four-year relationship with a really wonderful person. You know, that, that was great. Again, he's he's very quirky and I'm very, very close to his, his one of his daughters in particular. I met him on a dating site and that was great. He, he lives in Glenrothes, so it's not that far away. And I, I, I dated a man who's um, 20 years older than me. That's... One of the best relationships I've ever had. I always go out with people who are makers or who have been self-employed or who are self-employed, free thinkers, every single time. Every single time since the guy with the tie, I've gone out with people like that. Was he that bad then? Yeah, yes. (laughs) But I would have done anyway. I would have done anyway. People who are creative have got that thing where they can be self-employed, you know, think out the box. So I'm going to move on to your blog now. And then you said it's the precursor to your book. Yeah, I'm writing a book. It's the name of the first blog that I did. It's, it's called What Do You Want Your Life to Look Like? Basically, I've I've learned a lot in my life, a, a hell of a lot. My, my friend from primary one at school, I spoke to her a few weeks ago and she said to me that I've always been her little wise Buddha, <laughs> even when we were at school. Which was really nice, actually, because I've always thought I've been like this, but never really, you know, am I? Have I always been like this? But she confirmed that. So, I've always believed in in sending out love, and a lot of bad things have happened. A lot of negative things have happened. I nearly lost my house twice, you know. And at one point, when I was studying, ta- my tax credits just stopped, and they decided that I owed them thousands and thousands of pounds. And my ex-husband started giving me money. That happened all in the same month, and it's overwhelming. What do you do? But you can, I believe, go through that thing of, oh my God, what am I going to do? And if you can turn it around and pick yourself up and change how you see things, then you can turn it around very, very easily. And I did that. And within two months, I had a, a new car. Not only was I okay financially, but I managed to do that. So I do believe that you can do that. And it still amazes me constantly to this day. I'll give you an example. For this play that we're working on just now, it's weird. It's set in the 1700s in Paris, but there's a Harley Davidson in it. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, of course. So right, I'm I'm the lead prop maker on it, so I have to I'm responsible for all the props and making and things. So I was like, I'm going to get us a Harley Davidson. I don't even know anyone who's got a Harley Davidson. I contacted this guy, uh, I didn't know, and he said, Right, speak to this guy in Perth. I didn't know about this company. I went to see him in Perth and he gave me to borrow a Harley Davidson. 
like a proper real a real Harley Davidson with no engine, no fuel tank, which is what we needed. And it's there and, and it's on stage right now as we speak. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I just expect things to happen all the time. But the best bit about this is that his daughter has applied to, to go to the Royal Conservatoire where I'm studying to study musical theatre. So I was immediately able to help him by putting her in contact with somebody. So it came full circle. So we were immediately able to help each other. That's crazy. And that happens all, you ask Megan, this happens all I've the heard, time. <laughs> I've heard a couple of things. I was like, you go to the Conservatoire, do you know anyone that I could interview? And she was like, I know one lady. Oh God, yeah, Meg. I adore Megan. She was at my house not that long ago. There was there was four, well, four of them and me, and I just I love her. I love them all. For me, the greatest pleasure being there is okay. I'm learning to be a prop maker, but I get to spend time with these amazing people, and they make me cry all the time in a good way. She said you really help all of them out a lot of the time with all your wisdom. She never really went into it, but I think whenever, you know, they've had issues or whatever, you've managed to put them in the right direction. I hope it does help. I mean, yesterday I was meant to be leaving at seven o'clock and I think it was nine (laughs) because I was was with one of the girls. But I love that. I love it. You know, I hope they know that, you know, it's it's, it's such a great joy. Because I believe that you can have the life that you want. I believe that. There's nothing at all in my life that I don't believe that can happen. I've never asked for money. That's one thing I've never I've never asked for. Maybe I need to start doing that because I'm always seem to be skint. But um, it's never... When Jim's saying that, you know, suddenly I've got a car. And, so no, it's, it just comes in different ways. Yeah, it's not like there's piles of cash like on your doorstep, but it's in different ways. It's totally in different ways. I always, I always manage to get what I need and what I want. Uh, usually what I need it's not always what you want that's the other thing I think I wrote that one in my my first blog that you know sometimes if you don't get what you want it can seem absolutely devastating but my god it's usually the right for the right reasons absolutely so this is an answer to your question that you know this this is why I'm, I'm doing it because I want to be able to help people forever this is what I feel more passionate about than anything else and um I'd like to be able to guide people a little bit because people don't necessarily believe that they can have what they want. Yeah, I think that's a big problem right now. Everyone's stuck doing what they think they should be doing and not kind of gunning for it, so to say. You're right, you're right. So just a little bit of a, maybe try this or, you know, or even just having the proof that it, that it does work. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm aiming towards at the moment. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation. Have you, um, Got anything else that you want to just put into the mix? Well, I don't know. There's, there's so much. Um, I'm going to do another, I'll probably do another blog tomorrow. Not this afternoon because I'm away to see my, my friend up the road and there will be lots of wine. So, <laughs> <laughs> my next one is going to be about my experience yesterday with all these amazing actors and, and the feeling of belonging and how you, how you can go into a situation where you think, right, this is my job, I'm going to do this. Or you can go in and absorb people because people are amazing. If you talk to people and help people, you have a choice of how you interact with people. It's not for everyone. I, I get that. But I get a hell of a lot out of it. And I did, I did yesterday. I was knackered. I slept for 11 hours last night. Yeah, I, I just believe 
I mean, I always put at the end of my blogs, you know, do everything with love. And I, I do that all the time. I do that when I'm walking down the street or if I'm going into a shop. And if I can make someone smile, then, you know, it's like a wee challenge to try and make somebody smile. You know, we love each other. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, he just, unfortunately, and I'm saying unfortunately, and I would say that to him, he's polyamorous. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But, you know, I'm always going to be disappearing off and doing things and coming back again, and, and so will he. So we'll, we'll just, it's evolving into something. I don't know what yet. Um, so I keep saying I just want to take one day at a time. So the polyamory is, um, it's just part of it. It's, yeah, I'm not polyamorous mm -hmm. and I never will be. This is, I felt very uncomfortable and I didn't like the thought of it at all. I never will. Why would I want him to sleep with someone else? Do you know, I've spoken to quite a few people about this and not a single person has said they could do it. Not one. But Alan, he's hurting and he doesn't know how to get on with the rest of his life. And he think, you know, in his mind, this is how he's protecting himself. I know that it's just been us for the for at least, I'd say a couple of months, mm -hmm. um, around about that time, maybe I'm slightly off, but, you know, we, we got on so well and we have so much fun together. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't. I, I've spoken to my friend about this and, you know, the, the thing is that they, they love him. They My... My friend who lives up the road, Rachel, and my, and my other best mate, Ed, you know, they, they truly like him a lot. They're allowing him to be like this in my life, which they would never have done with, with previous people. But it's a, lot, it's a lot to do with his honesty and his openness and, and who he is as a person. And there's no lie there. We see each other because we want to see each other. I don't know what's going to happen. He might do this thing. If he does, then I'm I'm just gonna have to accept it. And but we won't stop being friends or being together or stop loving each other. It's just it's just gonna change. I'm not gonna run off and, and disappear out of his life or anything. It's just gonna be different. <laughs> <laughs>